If you've been here all year with us during 2014, you know we spent most of the year talking about freedom in Christ. If you're just visiting during this month, uh, we're ending the year with a series called Naming the Baby. Obviously a tie-in with what the world is thinking about right now and for the next few weeks. Uh, the world's attention uh, turns this time of year like no other time of year to Jesus. Uh, most of the folks in the world believe, or I suppose most of them believe, that uh, this next Thursday is Jesus' actual birthday. Uh, we don't know that. We don't know it from the Bible. The Bible doesn't mention the time of year. Uh, we don't know it from secular history either. Uh, God seems to have made sure that it wasn't recorded exactly. Uh, perhaps so we would focus on Christ every day and uh, every week during the year. But I can't think of any better time to have a special series and celebrate the King of Glory than when the whole world is talking about Him. Uh, so that's what we're doing this month. Our key verse is Isaiah 9 and verse 6. Uh, in this verse, as we've been learning this month, Isaiah reveals four of the greatest names of Jesus. I was thinking as Brother Rob read his list of titles and names and declarations about the Lord Jesus, uh, we got we could carry this series on for a few years, Rob. We could, we got lots of names to to go before we've even begun to understand. Our Lord, but in this verse, Isaiah just mentions four of the greatest names: Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. First, we looked at uh, Wonderful Counselor. We talked about how that's one word, and how He gives counsel. He tells us uh, strategic things to do, like an old strategist would counsel a king in the Old Testament. And he gives wonderful counsel. Uh, beyond human counsel is what he gives. Last week we talked about two of the names, Mighty God and Everlasting Father. And hopefully those are fairly fresh in your mind. You remember what those all entailed. Today we talk to uh, the last title that Isaiah gives, the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And this one's a little bit... Confusing, if we look at the world around us, we see there's not much peace. But Isaiah said that Jesus would be called Prince of Peace. There's different kinds of peace. I think we all know that. I found peace one time in West Virginia. My boys and I went on a rafting trip, which I've told you about a few times, but I'm not sure I've ever told you this part. We got in a raft and went down the Gauley River about 15 miles and through a number of Class 4 and 5 rapids. But we, we kept getting deeper and deeper into this Gauley River gorge. And there's no cars, there's no roads, there's no houses. And there's nothing in there. It's preserved somehow and nobody can build or do anything in it. And the deeper you go, the further away from civilization you get. And at the end of our 15-mile trip that first day, we stopped and made camp along the riverbank. Had some tents set up for us, and uh, we got out there and had dinner, a wonderful dinner on the bank. And then 
sat by our tent, kind of scattered away from all the other people. And uh, it was peaceful. That night as the stars came out, we looked up and uh, there's no civilization anywhere close. So uh, there were a trillion, trillion stars. Complete, utter, total peace. When it's time to turn in for the night, my thoughts were this is going to be a good sleeping night. This is going to be a peaceful night of sleep now. Uh, no sound but the river running over the rocks right there outside the tent. Uh, no other sounds, no civilization anywhere close. It's cold, it's crisp, it's not freezing cold, but it's chilly. It's going to be a good night's sleep. So I grabbed my sleeping bag that the boys had loaded for us all, and I it was a mummy style, one of those that fits your body real well, you know, kind of triangle-shaped and... And it goes, you know, you can put your feet way down on the bottom, and then it just barely covers your head. Just perfect. Snuggle up in that. And I looked at it, and I recognized it because it was the one that I'd picked out for Cindy a few years ago. <laughs> now, you, you, you can figure this out, can't you? <laughs> oh, my not only that, but it was slick and satiny on the outside, and our tent was on just a little bit of an angle. And so <laughs> it was hardly noticeable, that angle, but if you're in a half-size slick sleeping bag and you're fighting it all night, you tend to slide down toward the bottom part of the tent. And I'd hit the wall of the tent, and then I'd do my python thing, and I'd wriggle, <laughs> wriggle back up to where it was semi-flat, and then pretty soon I'd slide back down. It was a long night. <laughs> well, enough memories. Uh, obviously, that's not the kind of peace that Isaiah is talking about. And when we think we have peace, we sometimes don't when we pick the wrong kind of peace to talk about. Notice what Paul said about the kingdom. Paul said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of rules and regulations. It's not a matter of being here at 9 o'clock or being here at 10 o'clock and doing everything that we're supposed to do. He says the kingdom of God is all about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God's about. Sometimes we forget that. We get down in the details and we argue about let's do this or we can't do that. or and, and all of that's good. We have to know those things. But in this, God specifically says, Paul specifically says for the Holy Spirit, the kingdom is all about peace. If there's anywhere we find peace, it's in the kingdom of God. Now, we know that, but like I said, we look around and we don't see that. The world's not at peace. There's nations in this world that want to get a nuclear weapon so that they can intimidate others or eliminate others. There's countries invading other countries right now. There's tribes slaughtering tribes. There's religions persecuting others. And there's families at war within themselves. The world's not at peace. 
But when Jesus was announced, to get this now, I mean, Isaiah 9, 6, a big verse. When Jesus was announced, one of the top names was Prince of Peace. can be translated the Prince whose coming brings peace. And Prince, fairly easy, it shows leadership, shows authority. The Prince often led the armies out. The prince, the one who is in command of peace. So what kind of peace are we looking for? That's what we want to talk about today. What, what kind of peace does the prince bring us? Do you ever get a nest of gifts? One gift within another gift or a box within another box? Done that for our grandkids a few times. I think Kate was the last time. Wanted to get that. She got ten boxes because she turned ten. First nine didn't have anything in them. You know, she had to go all the way to ten to get the gift. That teaches them patience, you know. You give them like, you know, teach them to kind of smile every time anyway, you know. Oh, this is fun. Yeah, it's good for them, good training. Uh, but a nest of boxes is the concept I want you to do. That, that's what kind of peace we're talking about this morning. I think God gives us... Peace, the peace he gives, comes nested in, in three boxes, in three kinds of peace, if you will. Gift number one, the first one, is peace with God. That's where we start. That's what Isaiah was really talking about, I think. Uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, uh, that's what the angel saying. He, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. To men on whom his favor rests. To men, peace. The multitudes of angels sang that, so it's pretty important. And that's our main problem in this world. That's the biggie. And it's been that way ever since the fall. Ever since the fall of man. Ever since Adam and Eve. God and man were at peace. He visited the garden every day. He walked and talked with them. And then sin came between them, and they weren't at peace anymore. They needed to be reconciled. They needed to be brought back together, and that's what Jesus came for. Jesus is the bridge that reconciles us to God, that makes it possible to have that peace with God again. We're out of relationship with God unless Jesus comes into our life. And we understand reconciliation. I read a story one time about George Harrison, one of the, the Beatles, died in 2001 of cancer. Uh, before it, it, he got cancer, his sister Louise and he had had disagreements about business and all kinds of things, and they'd had a falling out. They hadn't talked for 40 years. 40 years, nothing between brother and sister. When he found out that he was dying of cancer, he sent for her. He asked her to come. And Louise said that the reconciliation was hard. That to actually, again, reconcile with her brother. So it was very hard, but they did it. And for the last weeks of his life, they sat together hour after hour, he holding her hand and talking about old times. 
See, sometimes death brings reconciliation like that. Some of us have seen that in our lives, that the time of death gets people back together. In our case, in what we're talking about, the birth was what got us back together. Death didn't bring us together. Well, his death actually does. But the birth of Jesus was the beginning of it. That's why Isaiah says this. One of the top four names, he'll be called the Prince of Peace because he reconciles. He's the one that brings us back together. Second Corinthians 5.19 says God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Romans 5.1, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's this peace with God that is of ultimate importance. And when I say it's of ultimate importance, I mean it's important now. Having that peace with God and understanding that we've been reconciled to Him, that's very important now. But peace with God is going to be the only thing of importance when our time comes. The Bible promises it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. When it comes our time to die and then face the judgment, I want to face him at peace with him. I want to be reconciled to him when I stand before his throne. If you haven't opened this gift of peace, this peace with God, I pray you do. Even today, I pray you do. Gift number two is the peace of God. Not peace with God, the peace of God. Listen to Paul explain this gift in Philippians 4, 7. He says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That may sound like a familiar verse. We just spent a whole series on that not too long ago, talking about free from fear. But we talked about all the things that we could fear in this life and how there's a lot of good reasons to fear a lot of things. But Philippians 4, verse 6, right before this, said don't be anxious about things. It's a present it to God with thanksgiving. Give them to it here for prayer and The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. No need to be fearful. And as far as explaining it, Paul just says, you can't explain it. It transcends all understanding. See, that's a different kind of peace than some people talk about peace. The Old Testament is the word shalom. It's a state of wholeness. A state of harmony. It's all about all of life and all relationships. They're just peaceful. That's what that word means. And when you greeted somebody with that word, when the Jews met a friend and said shalom, part of it meant freedom from outward war and disturbances and all of that. But most of it, is about an inward sense of well-being, the peace of God in our lives. 
Now, the world might not be at peace, but you can still be at peace with the peace of God. Uh, when I wrote that down about Shalom, I thought, I thought about modern-day Jerusalem. Modern-day Jerusalem, can you imagine? Everyday missile attacks and buses blowing up and suicide bombers. And it, 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 all of that going on all the time in your city. And I thought, I wonder if anybody still says Shalom to anybody in that situation. Well, of course they do, because it's even more important. It's even more necessary when, when all of that's going on around you. It's even more important to have the peace of God. Number 624, God told Moses when he blessed the people, he said, you say this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. J. Russell Moore was a missionary to China back in the 50s when the communists took over. And he had been allowed some freedom, but the communists came for him one day. They told him to come with us. He said, well, can I get some bedding and some clothing and some things like that? They said, no, you won't need any of that. We'll take good care of you. Well, they took him to a communist prison, and he stayed there 18 months. Fifteen of those, he was in solitary confinement. No window. One little tiny hole up at the top that let in a little bit of light, a little bit of air. No bed, just some straw thrown on the floor. Fifteen months solitary, never spoke to anyone or heard anyone. Once a day, slot would open at the bottom of the door and they would slide a little bit of food in. This missionary had no Bible, he had nothing to, to read. They'd taken his glasses so he could barely see anyway. That was the condition he was in. When he finally got out, he wrote later about it. He said, the only thing that helped me keep my sanity during that period were the Bible verses and the hymns that I knew, the ones that I'd memorized. And the one verse overall that kept me going was Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Pray about everything, and with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's what he kept repeating. Now, the rest of that verse is what we're looking at. If you do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When he finally was released, almost everybody else that had been in the same situation and were, was released had serious psychological problems. They needed lots of help. And Russell Morse didn't. His mind and his heart had been guarded somehow. Can I explain it? No, it transcends all understanding. But, but it's one of the promises of the peace of God. 
peace with God. That's the vertical thing we're talking about. Peace of God is what's inside us, within us. There's one more dimension that's this way. That's gift number three. Peace with others. Peace with others. When we're at peace with God, when we experience the peace of God, I think we'll find it amazingly easy to be at peace with others. Now, there's Christians that aren't at peace with others. Uh, They fuss, they fight, they hold grudges, they don't speak, they're at odds with one another. And I would wager they have real problems with gift number one and gift number two. Gift number three comes pretty easy when you get gift one and two right. When you're at peace with God, at, at, at peace in yourself, uh, of the peace of God, it's a lot easier to be at peace with others. Received a Know Your Bible call not too long ago. Left a voicemail. A lady said she was a member of another congregation somewhere away from here. Told a story in the voicemail that her husband had loaned some money to another member of the church. And after that, her husband had died. And the fellow that she had loaned, he had loaned the money to came to her and told her that he would pay her back, but couldn't write then. And then pretty soon he filed bankruptcy. And all of that went on. And her message said, now he's living high again. Buying new cars and taking trips and buying clothes. He hadn't paid me back. And I'm almost destitute, and he never mentions it. She said, I can hardly look at him. Now, I know I only have heard one side of the story, and it may be completely different. And, but there's a lot of things in that story that shouldn't happen in the family of God. It's a sad story still. So I wrote to the lady, and this is how I answered her. I said, first of all, Matthew 18, 15, 17 says, In such a situation, first you go to him privately. You go to him privately, and you explain what you understand of the case and how you've been hurt. There may be misunderstanding. She may not know something that happened, and she doesn't know about it. Or maybe... He'll understand and be shamed and take care of it immediately. But if he won't do what's right, then that chapter passage says take one or two witnesses. And if he still won't do what's right, then take it to the church. Go talk to the elders about it. And I said the other passage that applies is 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 8. Christians were suing each other. And Paul said, that can't happen in the church. He said, it's better that you pick somebody out of the church, somebody, and let them settle the matter. He even said, even somebody of low import. said, just randomly pick somebody out as they walk in the door and say, come settle this matter. So that's better than going before the pagan judges for the kingdom of Christ. So I gave her that advice. Now, I don't know what she's going to do with all that. It's 
going to be hard probably for her to do much of anything about it. But as I thought about that answer this week, I thought, you know, that's a good place to review what we've learned about the names of Jesus. What's that sister need first? In the mess that she's in, who does that sister need first? A wonderful counselor. She needs a wonderful counselor to give her good advice. Now, I repeated the wonderful counselor's advice. I said, here's what you're supposed to do. It may solve everything at the first step. And it might not. It might take a little longer. But if you follow the wonderful counselor's advice, it will make things better. Who she needs second? Understand this is a widow going to somebody that she claims has wronged her. I don't know how shy she is or anything else about her, but... That may be a very intimidating thing to do. Who she needs there? Mighty God. She needs mighty God to go with her. Lord Sabaoth. She can walk into that room with the hosts of heaven behind her. Handle that situation. Thirdly, how badly does she need the Prince of Peace? She can't have any peace in her life. I mean, there can't be, and it's got to be causing other problems in the congregation, probably, because people notice things like that. Life's got to be hard for her. She's got no money. Here's this bitterness on top of that. How do you think her worship experience is when she shows up to the worship assembly with this guy in there and all these thoughts in her mind? There's no peace in all of this. She needs the prince whose coming brings peace. Peace with God. The peace of God. The peace with others. Now, I mentioned her situation because it was just on my mind as I worked this week. But look at how important this is. This peace with others. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Jesus said, if you're offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Now, you realize how odd that is? If you're worshiping God, maybe we're in the middle of communion, maybe we're in the middle of collection, maybe we're in the middle of a sermon, and you remember that you and a brother are not at peace. Jesus said, get up and leave. Get up and leave, and why? Well, look at the rest of it. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Now, taken literally, that's hard advice. But that's wonderful counselor talking to us. Taking literally, that means if you're sitting there and that verse hits you for the first time right now, what you ought to do is get up and walk to the other side of the auditorium where that brother is that you're not at peace with and reconcile with them. I know that's really hard. If you want to wait till after the final amen, I'll allow that today. But I'm kind of bending what Jesus said. Jesus said, leave your gift right there, stop and go fix this because we've got to be at peace with each other. 
That's how important this is. The Prince of Peace will bring peace if we do what the wonderful Counselor says, allow the mighty God to go with us. Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God transcends all understanding. It does. We see it at work in somebody's life, and we can't, can't explain it. How does that person manage that? Well, it's the Prince of Peace working in their life. It's a great story about Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that you may not have heard. He was a great poet, and you may know some of his poetry. But in 1860, everything was going great for Longfellow. Uh, Lincoln had just been elected, and he thought that was going to solve all the country's problems. And he was, things were going well in his family. Then in 1861, his wife, Fanny, was working with some sealing wax, and it was hot, and somehow it caught fire, and her dress caught fire. Engulfed her in flame, and he came running in to try to help, and he had heard the screams, and he tried to put it out, and he burned his hands and burned his face. But she died the next day. Christmas that year, he wrote in his journal, How inexpressibly sad are the holidays. The next year, he wrote in, A Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. He didn't write anything in 1863, and then 1864 on, it was in the Civil War, and he wasn't writing much, but in the middle of the Civil War, he decided he'd write a poem that talked about it, and Part of it's been turned into a carol. You may recognize part of it. He started this way. He said, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then in the third stanza, it was right after the Battle of Gettysburg, so he wrote this, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then he came back to what he had finally reconciled in his heart. He said, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. That kind of transformation transcends all understanding. From the tragedy of his life to understanding the Prince of Peace is beyond understanding. And that's not just about the Civil War. We've got worse things going on today. We're in a spiritual war. It's a lot worse than the Civil War. We've been in that battle since the fall. And Satan doesn't want us reconciled to God. He wants us to stay apart. He doesn't want us to have the peace of God. He doesn't want us to be at peace with others. He does all he can to destroy the peace that we've been talking about this morning. God sent Jesus to be the prince whose coming brings peace. Next week we'll look at one more name, actually two more names of Jesus. Uh, We'll talk about Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Isaiah 9-6. Let's look at it. for. hope this is a little more special to you now. Uh, 
this verse, I always thought it was a cool verse, but I'm enjoying this. I'm learning a lot about Jesus. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I hope that means more to you now. now next week, we're going to pick two that aren't in that verse, Jesus and Emmanuel, and discuss those two great names of Jesus. I don't know how you would rate the peace in your life. I know nothing about it. You, you appear peaceful right now, but I don't really know what you think it is. I do know a couple of things. I, I know that if you're not at peace with God, there's nothing more important you can fix than that today. Nothing more important than reconciling to God. I do know that if you're not at peace, you don't have the peace of God. If you don't have that peace within, uh, there's no better time to try to straighten things out. See, even if you've been reconciled to God and then you don't listen to the wonderful counsel, you go your own way, you can get in some messes that you don't have any peace within. You can reconcile that today, too. If you're not at peace with others, I've already showed you the verse. That's mandatory. You take care of that today. Those three gifts of peace from the Prince of Peace. If you need to respond today in any way, I would invite you to come. Let's stand and sing.